Welcome to your upfront moment. We're building a confidence revolution. Hi friends, welcome to this bonus episode of Upfront Moment. What you're about to hear is a recording of an incredible LinkedIn Live conversation that I had with Edwina Dunn. Edwina Dunn is the founder of The Female Lead and our conversation is about not having imposter syndrome. I hope you love it. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to our LinkedIn Live. What are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about, well, we are going to challenge you don't have imposter syndrome. So this is an original tack, a brilliant tack, and we're going to be talking to the amazing Lauren Curry. Welcome, Lauren. Let me say a few words to introduce you. I'm the founder of The Female Lead. I hope you will ask questions through this session. We will come to them as we always do at the end. They're always valued. And I know that you all have good and strong opinions. So we welcome them. Let me tell you about Lauren. She is the founder of Upfront. It's an organization that's dedicated to changing confidence, visibility and power for a million women which is a great cause, great challenge. She spent the last seven years as chair of the wonderful Pregnant Then Screwed. And that was very much dedicated to ending maternity discrimination. She was awarded an OBE for her services to diversity and named as one of the UK's top businesswomen under 35 by Management Today. Well done, Lauren. Amazing. And we're going to be talking in this session, we're going to be talking imposter syndrome, we're going to be talking confidence, and we're going to be talking about how Upfront has worked out a path and lots of useful tools to tackle this. So without further ado, let me say again, welcome, Lauren. And let's start with a question. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So I think you said to me, and I just want you to say a few more words about this. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't that women aren't confident. It's that confidence in women isn't rewarded in our world today. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yes, I would love to. And thank you for such a warm welcome. I am over the moon to be here with you, Edwina, and to be collaborating with the female leads. And your question really neatly captures our our strap line. You'll see it on our website and on all our materials. We say we're here to change confidence, not women. Because I think the truth is that women and girls, we are all born with all the confidence that we need. We are born with joy and hope and playfulness and creativity and audacity and boldness and then as we grow old older and as we move through girlhood into womanhood 
we get very clear messages from the systems that we live in, that we play in, that we learn in, that we work in, that we are not good enough. And that being bold and being audacious and being hopeful is not a good idea. And so we learn from a very young age to squash those traits. And that is, I think, one of the the flaws that breaks my heart and how we see this idea of confidence is that so many of us, women and girls, all over the world are going through our days thinking that it's our fault that this feels so hard. It is our fault that we are crippled with self-doubt and low self-esteem and lack of self-belief. And of course, our individuality and our, you know, we have agency, we have a part to play. But the dominant part comes from society. It comes from the systemic oppressive forces that we that we live in. And so when we show confidence, we are punished. And that's what we want to change. And I guess, you know, we've not yet worked out what does confidence look like and sound like for women? Because sometimes the words that are used to describe confident women aren't always very nice, are they? It's sort of, we kind of draw back from, you know, being ambitious or challenging. Some of those words are very much about us having the excitement and the goals that we want to reach. 100%. And I think it's so fascinating to me that the word confidence evokes such a response in people. Because I think it's so misunderstood, you know, there are so many myths we need to bust around this idea of confidence because we are taught that you either have it or you don't. Where in fact it is a trait, it's a muscle, it's not a trait, it's not innate within us, it's a muscle that you can learn and strengthen the same way we learn to code, the same way we learn to breastfeed. It's like something that you can learn. And so, you know, these words whether it be confidence, strong, ambitious, assertive, often these words are used as weapons, you know, they're used against us. And I think for me, and I'm sure I would love to hear your story in the chat because I know all the women in our community have their story where you'll have a story that you remember of when you were told that your confidence was wrong. Mm -hmm that you were told that you're doing it wrong. So my story is very much around the idea of being too much. You know, growing up in the west coast of Scotland, near Glasgow, being constantly told that I was too much and I had to be smaller, be quieter. Some of you in the audience will have been told to speak up more, be more, be louder. You know, so many of us get this feedback, especially in a professional capacity, it's actually extremely unhelpful because actually what they mean is you're not being confident in the way that I understand what confidence is and I want you to be more like me Mm. and of course that's when prejudice and bias and sexism and racism can can really overtake those situations so we need to you know that's why we are front we call it a revolution it's like we want to blow up what we think the confidence is it looks different for everybody and it looks different for me and you depending on 
where we are and what we're doing and how we're presenting to the world and what mood we're in and what happened yesterday. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all very yeah. it flows. Because you can have days where you come in and you think, I can conquer the world. Yeah. I'm so excited. And actually, the last thing you want on days like that is to be told, you know, go away and be quiet. Is this, Lauren, what leads to imposter syndrome? How do the two relate to each other? Oh, imposter syndrome is the word of the year, I think, for for Instagram. It's become such a trendy phrase, I think. You know, I keep seeing it everywhere. It's like we can't go to a space that's focused on women's development without seeing the how to overcome imposter syndrome workshop. And I know that that's, you know, that's what we're going to get into. And I think they're inherently linked because when you start a conversation about confidence and you reflect on your own relationship with confidence, you start to think about where you have it and where that feels strong and powerful. And you think about where you don't have it and where you want more and where you know you have the self-awareness that you are holding yourself back, that there are limiting beliefs there, that there is self-doubt, there's procrastination, there's self-sabotage, all those things that we all know and love very well. And so often that gets labelled kind of in this messy bucket of imposter syndrome, which, you know, would suggest that we have a medical condition, <laughs> something that has become pathologized which you know I think is why Edwina we decided to make that the topic of our conversation tonight because I think it's time for us to really question that and look at that and really think critically about how is this holding women back like is this very grand vague label of imposter syndrome has it just become yet another tool to halt women's progress because mm -hmm. it you know I, mean, I think once something is named there is a danger that it brings some shame with it which is the most dreadful kind mm -hmm. of label to attach to something you know I I feel you know having had a, a very challenging career you know there have been times where you doubt yourself but I always felt that they were what made you work harder and spur you on. Because sometimes I think being a little insecure does make you try harder. And sometimes that brings new energy and new focus to something. So I think labeling something bad is probably pretty dangerous because, you know, in my book, you, you know, that kind of feeling of, God, am I going to be great today? Because it's a really important day. Mm -hmm. That can make you reach higher and be better. It's not necessarily a fault, is it? No, and I, I think you make such a valid point, which I think is often missing from the kind of imposter syndrome narrative, which is self-doubt is really normal. Feeling insecure is super normal, like discomfort is a natural reaction to pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, to challenging the status quo. It's like if you are operating in spaces that were not built for you, then you are going to feel like an imposter. Like that's a very normal 
response. And I think it's, you know, the academic pair who came up with what they called the imposter phenomenon, you know, they're in their 80s now. And that study was a study of high-achieving white middle-class women. So, you know, even just at that point, we can Mm -hmm. see, you know, we're not looking at this through a lens of intersectionality. Like, how does this, we know this shows up very differently and much more acutely for black women and brown women. You know, what, what does that look like for queer women? And then they've talked quite openly about they never thought it would become this huge kind of mainstream idea that it has. But I do think that's been positive to be able to give language to these feelings and these patterns that we do see this showing up in women differently to how it shows up in men. And it's helped, you know, Brenny Brown talks so well about this, like the power of being able to put language and words to feelings and emotions. And I think it has enabled conversations about psychological safety and trust and development at work in a way that might have been much more difficult without this kind of, here's these two words on the page that we can all get behind. But I feel like it's gone too far and we're and it's still fixated on you, the individual, Anna has to fix herself rather than let's look at the systems and cultures. I think you make a great point. And, and you know, I know that, you know, in my own work, my own career, the times I've grown the most and and latterly been proud after that were the most painful. They were the ones when I was kind of really scared. Mm-hmm. And you do feel a bit wobbly at the time because you're pushing yourself further than you've ever been before. You care, right? Like you really yeah. care. That's I think if you're not a bit nervous, I would be worried if I was if I never felt nervous. You know, I was coming on here to talk to you tonight. It's like you know, there's like a healthy, like, whoop, all right, let's yeah, go. Yeah. That's because, you know, I really care and it's important. And for that to be absent doesn't mean now I'm full of confidence, you know? And maybe, obviously, if it's societal, if this challenge is for yes. us to change, how do you guide people in that? Because it's really hard, you know, if people want to take the lead in their own careers, in their own lives, to learn that something is around them and sort of endemic. Mm -hmm. How do you guide people and help them to sort of separate what exists? It's not about fixing them, but there is a reality of it being uncomfortable and difficult. How how do you guide them through that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this, this nature of our work, is what keeps me up at night, right? Because it's complicated. <laughs> and it's like, when we, if we're saying 82% of women have reported feeling, having feelings of imposter syndrome, you know, even that is a nod to the idea that this can't be individual, like there can't be 82% of us having these feelings if it's not linked to structural inequality in some way. Like that statistic really lends itself to this idea And, you know, I think we often hear this idea of, well, it's up to companies to fix this. It's up to institutions and big businesses and we need, we need gen, you know, fair pay and we need maternity leave. And all of those things are valid and true. However, and this is, I think, where we focus it up front. It's this Venn diagram of the individual person and their agency 
and cultures and systems. Because when you talk about companies, it's companies that need to fix this. What are companies made up of? Individual people. So I think it's about being aware of your circle of influence. And this is about, you know, parenting, for example, is a huge part of this. How do we break this cycle for the next generation of our daughters so that they are thinking and understanding confidence in a different way? And then how we show up at work, in our teams, in our organisations, in our communities. And so you, you can have a direct effect on that. It's like individual behaviour change at scale. That's what culture change is, right? Mm. We put emphasis on if you join our community and you take part in an upfront course, you will make tremendous progress as you, as the individual that you are, but you are doing that with a much wider horizon of how is this affecting all the other systems and communities and spaces that I'm part of. And I think that's how we do it alongside, you know, the hardcore campaigning that people like Pregnant Then Screwed are doing because the foundations of equity need to exist for this colossal shift to happen. Mm. As your video said, like, we've got a lot of work to do. I mean, it doesn't matter how much progress we think we've made, that there is still a long way to go. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel sort of really... I'm going to ask questions in a minute, guys. So if you can warm those up, that would be really great. Lauren, other Lauren, is behind (laughs) the scenes ready. I guess what worries me slightly is, is there a sense that allowing yourself to be labeled with imposter syndrome, having people vocalizing that when you're working in your workplace, Mm -hmm. and doesn't feel awfully helpful? Is there a kind of complicit thing going on here I mean is it something we should try and pull back from ourselves yes I think if I want folk to take one thing away from this conversation tonight with you Edwina it's this idea of questioning the concept yeah you know it's questioning also the validity and the weight that we have given to this concept in our own lives and in our own minds but also in our work And so when that conversation happens in a professional capacity, I think there is is a a risk that, you know, let's say from a manager's perspective, it is much easier for me to label you as somebody who has imposter syndrome rather than look at how is my organisation supporting women to thrive with their flexible working policy. So it's not that I have imposter syndrome, it's because I am exhausted from having to cram in an hour's work at night because I can't leave to pick my kid up from nursery or whatever that looks like for you. So I think there's not necessarily nice, neat answers, because there aren't any. You know, I think it's about questioning and reflecting and hopefully doing that with your manager or with your peers at work. I think that's so well said. Yeah. I mean, it it becomes a convenient kind of label and excuse, but it doesn't 
change things and it doesn't solve the problem and it doesn't draw you out to where you potentially can be. So I hope those ideas are stimulating some thoughts and questions out there. And I think when we've gone through the questions, we're going to share with you the thing that the female lead have worked on to actually bring this out as a kind of joint program with Upfront, which we're really excited about because we think, you know, anything that is going to help people be stronger, be bolder, be more confident is going to be massively helpful. But please, guys, will you ask your questions? Lauren, do you want to put the... Sorry, it's hard having two Laurens now. Forgive me. (laughs) Here we go. How do you talk to your team about imposter syndrome? So I think you talk to your team about imposter syndrome almost the way we've talked about it tonight reflective questions how do we feel about imposter syndrome when was the first time you were told you had imposter syndrome or you read something and thought this is me I have this syndrome and I think that's the that's the first phase of questioning is like just where how do we relate to this concept this idea And then I think the second phase, which is the juicy part, which maybe you want to have a two-part conversation, is, for example, have have I ever held myself back? You know, am I hiding behind this label? Because it's more comfortable for me to hide behind this label than for me to admit that I want to progress and need to do work to make that progress happen. So that's where I would start. Because yeah. it's scary that the opportunity to fail mm. it is actually quite scary, isn't it? So saying, well, I'm not quite confident enough becomes maybe that that kind of protection to the fear factor that comes with, I'm going to try something really risky and, yeah. and it might not work. I think it's, you know, is it easier to say, I feel like I need to work on my confidence than to say, I think you need to pay me more. And from my experience in working with thousands of women who have gone through a program, it's always both. Right. And I don't think it's it's one or the other. I think we have we've seen a big trend of focusing on the individual, which you know we've I think we're starting to acknowledge that that's not helpful. So it's like let's think of this in a more systemic way. And now we're going the other way. It's like, okay, companies need to fix this. I think it's always a combination of the two. That's how systems change. Yeah. Very good. Eloise here says, I'd love to understand how you both have navigated, dealt with injustices at work you believe have been associated with your gender. Oh yeah, that's a big old question, isn't it? Yes. I bet you could write a book about this. Now you should go for it. <laughs> you know, I could. I honestly could. I think, do you know what I really believe? I think in, when you are working, you have to have a sense of humour. Because some of the things that people say to you are so silly and so annoying that you just have to let them bounce off you. If you took them all seriously. I think you wouldn't feel like coming into work sometimes. And and once you reduce them to what an idiot thing to say or what an unhelpful thing to say or an unkind thing to say, once you say that to yourself, you kind of lose some of the power from it. It happens all the time. 
And, I, you know, my thought would be always have to believe in the power of you coming through and actually showing what you're capable of. And I always see it as a bit of a challenge, a bit of fun. Mm. And, and, you know, when people say ridiculous things, treat it as ridiculous. That, that would be my thought, and it, it's guided me so far. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, such a, it's a question that we'll all have stories around. You know, I'm sure we've all got a story to tell. And I think, you know, for me, probably ageism and classism, I think, has affected me more than sexism. And I think that's mostly because I started my first business when I was 23 and haven't really stopped. I had two very short periods of employment in that period. So for the most of my career, I have been running my own companies, building my own teams. And that means that I get to design the culture and I get to instill the values and I get to choose the people that I spend my day with. But for me, it's the external relationships that come with being a founder and a chief exec. You know, most of our clients that we are supporting are organizations that are run by men. Often I get asked to speak at conferences. You know, when Upfront first started in 2016, I was always applying to speak at conferences. We have to talk about gender inequality. I want to talk about women. And many of them laughed me off the phone. It's like this was just not something that we even had language to talk about in 2016. And I think for me, it has been, sometimes I see it as a like, oh, like that was a reminder that I am challenging the status quo, that I am like doing things differently. And that feels like really great and like exciting and fulfilling. And so I, like you said, I try and flip it to, I know Cindy Gallup talks about, well, let me, let me fucking show you. That's our, that's our strap line in those moments of, I'm going to take this and use it as fuel to show you the truth and to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really, really good. Do we have time for one more question? Yes. Lovely, Christine. Thank you. Someone brought up language at work in emails. Our conversations with other employees. Women are expected to use a lot more nice words. And I'm so grateful. And I really appreciate it. If you could kindly, what do you think? And how does this impact our imposter syndrome? What's the solution? I love that question. Yeah, it's it's a great question. And we have a whole module on language in our in our course that Edwina and I are going to talk about in a moment. And I think this question really articulates a big part of this, the original part of our conversation, which was, you know, where does our relationship with confidence stem from and why do we need to change that? And a huge part of that is our our conditioning to be nice. You know, from a very young age, girls are taught that it is our job and our place to be to be nice. And we are we become so addicted to wanting to be liked and wanting everybody to like us. And so I've never heard of people being asked explicitly to use that language at work. You know, that is just, 
I mean, sexist. Are they asking men to do the same thing? I think what they're doing there is reinforcing this very negative, unhelpful stereotype of it as a woman's job to mother, to be nice, to keep the peace, to make sure everybody's happy. And so I think it directly is going to play into your sense of what's my role here? Do I belong here? Do I have power? Do I have influence? Why have I been treated differently to my male colleagues? And I would really encourage you to push back on that request. You know, where has this come from? Is everybody in the organisation being asked to use this language and why? Because it's not something that I feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it is so easy to fall into that. You just spend a few moments. It's the just word, isn't it? Yeah. It's missing. Yeah, we've all been guilty of using it. Look, we've run out of time, guys. I'm sorry. Um, let me finish by saying this is just the beginning. We are, you know, we don't really advertise on the female lead. We're a charity. We reach out. All our content is free. We've met up front. We've met Lauren. We heard about this six-week course that she and her team have put together that's all about growing your self-confidence. And we thought, what a good thing that some of you might be lucky enough to jump into and be interested in joining. It starts in, I think, a couple of weeks. So it's happening really quickly. And we jumped in when we heard about it. So, you know, we will benefit because Upfront are going to give some of their fees for the course to the female lead, which is really great. And we're delighted for that. So if you are interested and would you, you would like to learn some more, you can go to this website and you can either strong arm your bosses or anybody who's saying inappropriate things to you and say, right, I'm ready to, to talk about my imposter, to build my confidence. And here's how. So anyway, I recommend it to you with enthusiasm because I know it's a big subject. And I think it's time we all knew we can control it and we can turn it to our advantage. So I think, Lauren, do you want to say a few more words? Yeah, I would love to reiterate Edwina's invitation. If you've enjoyed our conversation and want more of this, you know, how do we progress How do you progress as you and also contribute to fixing the broken world that we live in? The upfront bond is for you. Bond is the collective noun for a group of women. So we have one cohort every year. This is our seventh cohort. We've had thousands of women from all over the world, from lots and lots of different sectors, lots of different levels of seniority. And you will see incredible results people in your life will start to notice a shift and a change within just a few days of being part of our program we start on june 5th and we would love to welcome you brilliant brilliant well i'm delighted to have met you to have had some lovely conversations and to see your work to watch some of the courses and the Mm. videos which are really super and thank you to as always our brilliant audience who always ask good questions so thank you to all of you thank you lauren curry good luck with the course and come back soon thank you so much bye everybody 
Thank you so much for listening. Over 6,000 of you tuned in to this live in real time. I would love to hear your feedback, love to hear what resonated with you. And of course, don't forget to get your Bond 7th ticket or doors clause on Friday at midnight. And we cannot wait to welcome you. Bye. The female lead empowers women to take the lead in their own lives at every age and every stage. An educational foundation that listens to women, collects insights through research, and amplifies women's voices by telling their stories, always aiming to stimulate positive change through films and books. Two volumes of incredible women's stories, donated to tens of thousands of schools in the UK and USA, reaching millions of young people live events i recognize i didn't get here by myself and so i stand in that power partnerships with powerful voices don't take no for answer if someone's like this probably won't happen for you just like just wait and watch we do it all brought to life through our millions of followers on social and through our female lead societies in schools and universities we help girls discover new role models and career aspirations Understanding women and girls is at the heart of our work. At the Female Lead, we know you can't be what you can't see. And through our research into mental health and social media, we found a solution to its negative impact on girls. We called this campaign Disrupt Your Feed, and it reached 20 million people all over the globe. But we're not just about future generations. The Female Lead is improving the lives of all women, through our groundbreaking Fulfillment Finder tool. Built on neuroscience, Fulfillment Finder helps women to build self-awareness. I need to work on a sense of excitement and, you know, enjoyment. We're on a mission to understand what fulfillment means to different women and, in so doing, help to build a better workplace. We passionately believe in helping each other to reach that goal because we rise by lifting others. There's a lot to do, and we're a long way from being finished. Join us in our mission. Are we going to talk about women's rights again? Yes, we're going to talk about it until there's balance.